Today, my guests are Gabe Wing from Herman Miller and Jane Abernathy from Human Scale. Herman Miller and Human Scale are both iconic furniture brands that think design and sustainability go hand in hand. If you design a product using a certain type of plastic, well, that decision gets repeated hundreds of thousands of times a year in mass production, depending on the type of product. It could be millions of times a year. They're going against the current and putting competition aside to collaborate radically as partners in Next Wave Plastics, an initiative convened by Lonely Whale. As members, they've committed to keeping plastics in the economy and out of the ocean by incorporating recycled ocean-bound plastics into their product supply chains. We'll be talking about what they can achieve together and why we need to rethink the way we think about plastic. My right knee works because there's a polymer holding that back together and some plastic anchors in my kneecap. So this notion that all plastics are bad kind of flies in the face of that. I'm your host, Patrice Jones, and welcome to 52 Hertz, the Lonely World podcast. But first, some good news from around the reef. Incredibly exciting innovations in the packaging technology could see products packaged in plant-based plastics on supermarket shelves by 2023. Approximately 300 million tons of new plastics made from fossil fuels every year. Most of it isn't recycled and takes hundreds of years to decompose. Plant-based plastics could truly help change that. A biochemical company called Avantium in the Netherlands hopes to develop plastic made from plant sugars instead of fossil fuels. So theoretically, these plant-based plastics would actually break down in about a year when composted and within a few years under natural conditions. Innovation towards faster breakdown rates can be one piece of the puzzle towards reducing ocean plastic pollution, whilst also minimalizing reliance on fossil fuels. Now there is much to be learned and understood about plant-based plastics, but the idea of a plant-based bottle instead of a plastic one is certainly news we can all drink to. Cheers. So, <laughs> Jane and Gabe, welcome to 52 Hertz. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. So, I would love to just get from each of you just a quick bit about your respective companies and you guys' roles within those companies. So, Herman Miller, um, we're a 100-plus-year-old company. I would characterize our, our organization as a research-based company that uses design to solve problems and more often than not, our solutions come to life as pieces of furniture. We've been committed to sustainability for decades. I think what we're excited about with Next Wave and working with <clears throat> partners like HumanScale is having the opportunity to, to work and collaborate and provide speed and scale to solving this global issue related to um, ocean-bound plastic. My role at Herman Miller is I'm the director of sustainability for the corporation. My team and I have a role in shaping the overall strategy and help to make sure that we're doing our part to reduce our environmental impact. But more importantly, I think looking for opportunities where we can leverage the unique skills of our corporation and working with others to create positive social impacts. Great. Thank you so much. And Jane, love to hear from you. Human Scale is a global leader in products that enhance health and wellness at the workplace. In practice, that ends up being a lot of ergonomic tools like task lighting, ergonomic seating, keyboard trays, monitor arms, things that will hold technology in a place that fits the human body so that we don't have to contort our bodies to adjust to our technology. Our founder and CEO has had a, an interest in sustainability since he was young. In the last, I would say, five, six, seven years, we've started a conversation around what does it really mean? 
for us as a manufacturer of furniture. And where we sort of landed on, if we stay in the realm of reducing the amount of negative uh, impact we have in the world, we're never going to end up with the world that we want, a world where we can mm. thrive and, and everyone can thrive. So a few years ago, we started thinking, actually, we have to reduce basically to 100%. That gets you to your net zeros, your net zero carbon, net zero water and all that. And then we have to keep going and we have to start to replenish, rejuvenate and start to heal the world. And that will you know, start to account for uh, actions from the past and the folks who are not on the journey with us. So I'm, I'm excited to be you know, working with NextWave and Herman Miller and some of the things that can start to clean up and start to heal our world as manufacturers systematically looking at how we can make things better off. My role within the company is I'm the chief sustainability officer. On a high level, it means setting our overall strategic goals with our stakeholders, our CEO, and then making sure that it's embedded in everything we do. Thank you so much, Jane. So what does sustainability have to do with designing office equipment in general? Because it doesn't seem like something that an ordinary person would put together. So what do those things have to really do with each other? In some ways, to me, I couldn't really see them separately. And I come at this historically as an industrial designer designing products. And I couldn't help in the, that role, but think through the fact that everything I designed and now, you know, as manufacturers, we're in this situation where everything we manufacture, all those decisions get repeated. If you design a product using a certain type of plastic, well, that decision gets repeated hundreds of thousands of times a year in mass production, depending on the type of product, it could be millions of times a year. That product might be in production for several years, a hundred years, depending how, how often the product lines change. So the decisions going into mass production to me seem very important, really pertinent to sustainability and creating the world that eventually we all uh, live in. So I would think anyone who's dealing with manufacturing and mass production, sustainability should be on the forefront of mm -hmm. what they're thinking about just because our large influence as manufacturers I listened to something from uh, William McDonough and he had mentioned the key thing about design and when you make something, it's actually about the intention. It all seems to start in the inception of a product rather than mm. what happens at, at the end. Do you guys have a definition, like a personal definition of what good design looks like or what good design is? Good design is going to also be informed by you know, having the appropriate fit for the need that is there. If you don't have the appropriate fit, you design a product that people don't need, and that's a 100% waste of resources. Mm. Designing a product that people actually enjoy using, that they love to interact with, if it gets broken, they are very likely to fix it, um, to do what they can to keep using it. Some products even retain and, and grow in value over time. Those are, are your most sustainable products because those materials that you use continue to be in use for a long time. You know, the durability is a very important part, repairability. And then, of course, thinking through what happens at the end of life. Is it something that is easy to, to deal with, can easily be recycled to become other products? Throughout that, there's also a perspective to make better choices between different materials. And then using materials that themselves are um, not containing toxins and are not you know, bringing chemicals of concern to our customers. I think a lot of details go in to making sure that there's a holistic product that someone enjoys using and wants to use for a long period of time. Uh, I think the way that Jane characterized it fits fits very well with how we think about at at Herman Miller. Um, if I was to tell you what I think my job is in really simple terms from a sustainability perspective, my team 
And I relentlessly asked the same question, have we made the best choice possible? Whether we're looking at the materials we use, how we put them together, the chemicals inside those materials, um, have we designed for disassembly? I think we're constantly probing and evaluating our designs through that lens and trying to push our corporation and our suppliers and our partners to a better spot. I, I think of us nudging people a little bit further than they might otherwise go by by sort of asking that question in a relentless manner. Mm-hmm. It feels as though, especially in the last 10 years or so, people have very much considered plastic to be bad. How do you guys see that? Are there ultimately good materials and bad materials that shouldn't be used? Um, I guess on my end, I don't think we live in a black and white world. Putting the wrong plastic in the wrong application is clearly bad. Mm. And there are certain materials that, in my opinion, should be removed from the marketplace, whether it's flame retardants or certain types of halogenated polymers that bring a lot of baggage with them. But on the flip side, I tore my patella tendon playing basketball a couple years ago, and my, my right knee works because there's a polymer holding that back together and some plastic anchors in my kneecap. So wow. this notion that all plastics are bad kind of flies in the face of that. So I, I think it's, it's incumbent on us to make sure we're using the right materials appropriately and then working to think about them in a circular manner. And I think if we do that, uh, we can get past this notion that, you know, plastics are good or bad from a black and white perspective. That's, that's kind of my thinking on it. I want to kind of really hone in on what you guys you guys do with Next Wave. And let's, I want to talk about ocean-bound plastic as a material. How does ocean-bound plastic fit into your you guys' concept of design, of sustainable design? I think it's really interesting how you ask the question, because as far as design of a product, the product itself is probably not going to be that much different because we're sourcing the material in a different place. The big challenge for us is then to get our supply chain team to work deeply with these other suppliers to limit where they can look. The overall products are probably not going to look significantly different. In fact, the one product we have on the marketplace that does incorporate ocean plastic in it is a product that's been out for a number of years. And then what we did is on the back end, we changed the source of where that material came from. But the actual product itself has not changed. But it looks at how we operate as a business, how we interact with our supply chain in a deeper way. So it's more so that you find ways to incorporate into what you're doing rather than having to take yourselves away from your current mission in order to incorporate more. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing is that it's not necessarily on our designers and engineers in the R&D team. The big push and the big sort of amount of burden is more on our supplier team who go out and vet suppliers, who work very closely with our suppliers, who find sources of materials. That's where it's um, a significant amount of work. Yeah, I think the, the issues that Jane brought up are, are certainly struggles that everybody in Next Wave deals with. I think the things that, that excite me and the team at Herman Miller, in addition to um, the environmental story that you get out of using these materials, though, is, is the social impact that you get to make. So as you stand up these supply chains in different parts of the world, um, we're creating jobs and income for people who otherwise wouldn't have them. Our business is creating livelihood for people that wouldn't have otherwise had jobs. And those things seem to resonate with our employees. And I think it's a way that you can engage your workforce. So I, I think of these next wave materials as OSHA about plastic as a platform 
that we should be looking at how do, how do we incorporate across all the things that we design so that we not only get the environmental benefit, but also the positive social impact. How is you guys' work with NextWave making it easier for companies to, to access ocean-bound plastics? Well, I think one thing that's very useful is having a group of manufacturers come together. First, the signal that there is a, a customer base, a ready customer base. So folks right. who are thinking of you know, setting up a business in this area, that, that that's a signal to them that it's worth it. And then there's also, as, as Gabe had mentioned, the social impact. And this is one where we get uh, a lot more sensitive to what's happening in our supply chain with these kind of um, ocean bound and collecting the material back. But there can be uh, unintended consequences. This has been one thing that's been very helpful in our discussions with Next Wave and talking with other suppliers is thinking through how do you dig deep enough into your supply chain until we're getting to the, where the source of the material is coming from? And then when we get there, what is the best way to interact with them? It's not always so straightforward from where we sit in our offices in North America, having no perspective of what other people's lives might be like. So we can make a blanket rule that we don't accept this or that, but sometimes that doesn't make sense in context for the people there. Working with Next Wave, we've been able to look at what are the frameworks for evaluating the social impact in these supply chains? How do we go about evaluating them? Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a huge benefit to sit around the table with like-minded companies. And some of them maybe are a little bit further on their journey than others. And to be able to borrow a lot of the supply chain work that a company like HP has been doing fantastic work in Haiti, um, recycling bottles mm -hmm. and turning them to inkjet cartridges. And so having them um, be really transparent with where the issues are and the improvements they've made, I think shortcuts it for everybody. And so I think Jane touched on the fact that we can all pool our volume. And so we can get there faster with less effort and make a bigger impact. And that's what I really love about Next Wave is, you know, a lot of ideas like this, people sit and talk about what they're doing. But Next Wave, we're actually making an impact on a daily basis and we're doing versus just talking. And that, I think that seems to be the overarching goal is across the board is how do we make it easier to do the right thing? So these materials, what have they been like to, to work with? I wouldn't say it's been completely seamless. There is a difference in these re recycled materials, whether they're ocean bound or not, recycled materials have a little bit wider variance in their properties. Um, but once you characterize that, our engineers can work around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've also found that they're not so drastically different from existing materials. So sometimes it's a design challenge. Sometimes it's processing the material slightly differently, drying it in a certain way. There's different things we can kind of do in this to set things up so the system can run. Um, and so it's, those are all within the realm of a normal amount of work you would have to do to set up a material or potentially more work, but, but not like a hundred times more work. It's kind of in the reasonable ask of our engineers and developers and our, our suppliers to, to go through. Um, it is asking a little bit more, but it's not it's not uh, asking for the, the moon or anything. Um, I do find also with these, the, one of the challenges is the consistent supply because it's not like we have 2,000 suppliers of ocean plastic that we can choose from. Right. When things shut down, we only had, say, one supplier of a certain material. Um, and 
So that, of course, affect, we can't just go to a different supplier because that's the commitment we've made. And I think that's part of the reason we want to see this grow and expand so that there are more suppliers available. And then eventually we would like to see it to be rather normal to source material that's ocean bound. And, and in fact, if it's not even an exciting story to talk about, that would be a great world to get to is that we're just using that material very regularly. It's so normal. It's boring. I like that. What is one thing that you guys are, as a company, doing to go against the current? So one thing I'm really excited about is that we're trying to take on manufacturing while making the world better off. So, of course, when we manufacture, we use resources to manufacture. We've been working hard to quantify what are all those resources we use, but then also extend past ourselves past our own company and our normal sphere of influence to start to create more positive impact in the world. We've been partnering with schools, with other folks to try to create uh, energy savings programs, water savings programs, things that will have a measurable positive impact. And ultimately where we'd like to get to is to have the amount of good we're doing in the world in a measurable way that we could show that that is larger than the amount of, of resources that we're using to manufacture. So it's, it's a journey that we're on. We're excited about progress toward that. That's, that's fantastic. Is that, that's not the living product challenge, is it? Yes, that's one way that we have had an indicator of how we're doing. And we have two products that are fully living product challenge certified, have been audited to demonstrate they give back more than the use of water, energy, and carbon. We have another 23. So we'll have 25 products altogether by the end of this year that we aim to also be in that situation. One of the most important things our business is focused on is sustainability and the task of, of taking that commitment and integrating it across the collection of brands that make up her Miller group. We're, we're made up of nine separate brands today. Not all of them have the same amount of experience in trying to make the world a better place. And so I think the challenge and the opportunity for my team is to work together with those companies to achieve the vision that I think we're all striving toward. I'm excited to continue to work on developing the strategy to make that happen. That's fantastic. So I wanted to just get, get a little bit more into you guys as two separate entities who are, you know, essentially direct competitors, but it seems as though you have put it aside and decided that sustainability and sustainable practices and our future as a planet is more, far more important. Can you elaborate on if you guys have had any on any sort of thoughts or feelings that have come through from that? Is there anything that, that you guys have noticed that's different working in this space as someone that you are working with and kind of in competition with? In the area of sustainability, my belief is that I think we've got a lot to gain by working together where it makes sense that we compete on, on cost and quality and design but I don't believe that we should be competing on sustainability. Um, by working together in a next wave type model, um, we can get there faster and cheaper together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think if we can affect the changes that, that Human Scale and Herman Miller are, are talking about from a regenerative standpoint, we know the planet can get better. We can sort of heal it. One of the byproducts from the pandemic is that we sort of saw what could happen if we changed the way we do business as usual and truly become sustainable. And I, I think it just reinforces the importance of the work that, that we're collectively doing to make the world a better place because um, it can get better. We just have to um, be willing to invest the time and effort to, to change the way um, we create things. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on 52 Hertz Learn Well podcast. And 
thank you guys for all your continued work. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thank you. Hey, listeners, just before you go, here's a quick ocean saving tip for you from our guest. The first cradle book written by Bill McDonough and Michael Bronger would be something that I'd say is worth reading. It's, it's required reading if you join our team at Herman Miller, for sure. I would add the book Design is the Problem by uh, Nathan Chedroff. It goes through a number of different approaches to sustainable design and it has a very good perspective around what design can and can't do. Love what you're listening to? 52 Hertz is made possible by listener support like you. So go to lonelywell.org and support season two. And your donation helps amplify the voices of ocean advocates all around the world. Thank you. 52 Hertz is a podcast from Lonely Whale. Our show is produced by Emma Riley and Mindy Raymaker, with writing from Kirsten Stringer and audio engineering by James Riley. Special thanks to Young Hero, Emmy Kane, Kendall Starkman, and Danny Whitty. Subscribe to 52 Hertz wherever you get your podcasts. I've been your host, Patrice Jones. Thanks for listening. Until next time, tune in to 52 Hertz and tune out plastic. <laughs>